0: Life is pain...
1: Dolphin fans, and welcome to another episode of the list. As always, my name is Brett. Jordan is the co-host. As always, I'm not doing the whole tin can and string bit today. Not saying good morning. Not saying good afternoon. Not saying good anything, because uh, Jordan, Saturday night fucking sucked. Uh,
2: yeah, this is a in memoriam episode, I guess, isn't it?
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it is in memoriam, and I do want to preface by saying this does not take away that it wasn't a good season, because. Grand scheme of things, it was a good season. It was an improvement from last year. But how we was finished it? this season...
2: Was it an improvement on last year?
1: In a lot of ways. In some ways, not so much. But it was in a lot of ways. Um, one being that we had locked up a playoff spot early. Now, where it is bad, we finished 0-3. We choked away division in a home game.
0: And then... Love Mike McDaniel, love Tua, but what was
1: that game plan and performance on Saturday?
2: I just don't understand how you go into that game. and Okay, I understand how early on you want to feel out the conditions, but once you saw that you could get a little traction, I didn't understand... It it looked like Adam Gase was calling the plays. It looked like a bubble screen, bubble screen, RPO, bubble screen, bubble screen. And to the point where it wasn't working. Um, And not only were they running bubble screens, it it, it looked like Tua couldn't even get the ball to the guy in the bubble screen. Um, it, It was a weird game plan, that's for sure. It looked like the couple times we tried to take shots down the field that we made good plays. Um, so it it was just it was weird for me to watch the offense uh, Saturday night.
1: It Was weird. It was frustrating. Cause like I said, we took one shot. Was underthrown, but I'm not putting that on a the Wind was horrible. I was just telling you beforehand. In Pennsylvania, didn't have power overnight. Had to go to a hotel just because of how bad the wind. It hit it hit most of the state. It was even stronger in Kansas City, below freezing temperature. And even if it was underthrown, it would have been pass interference, but Cheetah made a play. It tells me, and I think we did see it, and there are stats on Twitter. The team really did not trust the offensive line, and we've seen it. We did have Robert Hunt back, but I, I don't know if you saw this stat, Jordan. But ever and get, like when Connor Williams doesn't play center for the Miami Dolphins... The offensive numbers are almost cut in half. And ironically, most of the games he hasn't played have been against the best teams. So I do think there is a correlation. Some of it is coincidental, but there is a correlation there. Connor Williams was playing like the best center in football. He would, There were some snap issues, sure. But he was getting to the second level. Him and Hunt were dominating together. And Robert Hunt didn't look healthy either from what I saw, um, which is another issue I have just because it was a hamstring and Eichenberg, he filled in admirably at times, but that decision to bank on him to be a center ultimately bit us in the ass as, the, as we got later into the season. And not just because of him. Like, Lester Cotton and Robert Jones were not good as guards either. But when you even have Liam Eichenberg come out and say he's most comfortable as a right guard, and I think his best game this season was as a right guard. Once Connor Williams went out and you had to sign those two centers, at the beginning of December, you should have prepared one of them to be to become the starter.
2: Yeah, I think that it was definitely poor planning. Um, but I don't necessarily think it was simply the, the direct result of what happened is, oh, we need to go pay Connor Williams a bunch of money. I think the direct result of what happened was we need to find, number one, a center that from day one next season um, in training camp is going to be able to snap the ball. And number two, like I said a couple weeks ago on the show, you're going to need to find a second guy um, that can snap the ball. Uh, you don't use a player from a different position to play quarterback. Um, you don't use a guy from a different position to play kicker, to play punter. Um, you, you need specific guys on the roster that can snap the football in a crunch. Um, and I think that not only having a center, but having a backup center Uh, is going to be very important coming into next year. Um, But I'm going to be interested, um, and I guess this is a good time to give a little plug um, to the people with something cool we're going to be doing. Um, So for those that don't know, we're actually going to have Richmond Webb on the show on Thursday um, when we record. Um, And I'm going to be interested to ask him, um, first of all, what the coldest game he's played in is um, and what those type of conditions could be like. Um, And then also, as specifically an offensive lineman, um, what the most difficult parts are that guys like a Liam Eichenberg might go through um, when trying to convert to another position? Because you said, oh, from the beginning of the month of December, we should have gotten one of those other guys ready. Um, But it's not like we went into the last couple days and it was a surprise to Liam Eichenberg that he'd be snapping the ball. He knew he was going to be the center. He knew for the last couple of weeks that he was going to be the center. Um, and I think as a professional, um, you either have it or you don't, especially if you're going to be a backup-type offensive lineman. Uh, you have to be able to fill it at other positions. Um, and I think that we're going to, going into next year, find guys to those backup positions that can do multiple things.
1: Yeah. And I understand why they decide to give Ike the look. One, he's one of the only, he was going into the year one of only what two or three offensive linemen we had under contract, so you want to see if you can get anything of them out of them. But we saw we moved Connor Williams to center, and it was a huge success. They're two different players, but it was still a success. Um, Michael Dieter moved to center his next to last year with us, and he's starting and doing pretty well for Houston. So I understand giving it a look, but even when we were giving Ike some credit. It was clear he just wasn't a guy, and as people are pointing out, with the interior line we ended up having most of the year because of injuries. He couldn't run the inside zone, kept running outside, and when it works, it works. But we saw a lot of times that gets taken away pretty easily too.
2: With a uh, with a one point eight or one point seven million dollar savings, if you don't do it. Do you bring Liam
0: back to camp next year? I
1: think you bring him to camp. Um, just because he's still cheap and he's a pending free agent. But I think you are under the that it's straight Like nothing is guaranteed. Um, now that does kind of go on, going to this. We did announce today some of the players we signed to futures contracts or reserve contracts. And two of them are, Offensive lineman and Hines, who I don't really know a lot about, and Ryan Hayes, who I know because of his time at Michigan. I'm not going to be a homer and say I think Hayes is going to be a starter, but he's had a year in the NFL. He's had a year in his strength and conditioning program. He'll have a full off season. I would not be shocked to see a different Ryan Hayes come in that could, that could compete for a spot somewhere on the line. Um, hopefully, we bring Robert Hunt back. I think that's a pretty high priority for us. So I would bring Ike back, but I think you tell him, look, you're not guaranteed a job. You're here to be a camp body. If you make it, great. If not, thank you for your service, but it's time to move on.
2: Yeah, that makes sense. I, I'd be interested to see. I don't think, and you know him better than me, I think Ryan Hayes just has experience at tackle and guard, though, right? He doesn't have any center experience.
1: No. So it's funny. He actually came to Michigan as a tight end, moved to tackle, but they think he will move inside. So I wouldn't be shocked if he, uh, if he does get a look. But I think it's a good center gla- class. And it's funny, we all talk about how important center is, but I still feel like center in a lot of ways is a super underrated position still. And especially in ours, because as they said, Connor Williams was responsible for calling the schemes, calling the protections, IDing stuff. That's not all on the quarterback, at least not in a lot of systems. So that's where I struggled. So you do need someone... Who can see all that? Um, and ironically, with us talking to Richmond Webb, he played with someone who was really good at that, and Tim Ruddy. So we don't need an all-pro. And admittedly, we know Connor Williams' future is in question. He is a free agent. He is he has an ACL injury, so his availability will be different. Is up in the air too.
0: But even
1: with that, you can't rely on it. So you need to get someone who does have a very high football IQ for that position. I don't think Ike has either the football IQ or the athleticism for our, for what we want to do.
2: Yeah, no. And I think that it was just as much of a fault on us uh, for trying to put him in that position uh, as it is him not being able to perform in that position, but it, it's definitely something. I mean, we'll talk, it's going to be a long off season of talking. Um it, that's definitely going to be identifying multiple guys. Um, if one of them is bringing back Connor Williams, that's, that's one way. Um, he definitely was an important piece. It'll be interesting with the injury, how much money he commands. Um, but you're going to need multiple guys who have the ability to snap the football. Because going into this offseason, it, it's almost like we had such nice pieces this season. But if you really look at it, we had only one guy on the roster who could snap the football. You had only two guys on the roster who could get separation. You didn't have a tight end on the roster. Um, Defensively, we we do have depth issues on the interior defensive line, the interior linebacker spot. Um, Those didn't show themselves really until the end of the year. But who would have thought when we were talking about it that, to me, at least going into the offseason, we have a lot more question marks on the offensive side of the football, and we have a lot more depth to add on the offensive side of the football, whereas the defensive side of the football to me is just about these guys getting healthy.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and again, I was pleasantly surprised with how the defense played with all the injuries. They're still frustrating stuff. Uh, I never want to watch Eli Apple play for the Dolphins ever again.
2: Oh, please, God, no. I, and that's another thing I don't understand. Look, if this season was going to end up the way it was, anyways, I would have rather us been 10 and 7 and played Cam Smith all year or 10 and 7 and played Channing Tyndall all year, other than aside from watching. Eli Apple do what he did all year and watching Duke Riley try to two-hand touch Patrick Mahomes. Like, yeah. I, I, I don't understand, and, and for the life of me, all offseason, I'll wonder how bad those guys must have been for Cam Smith not to even get a look and for Channing Tindall not even to get a look when those were the top two draft picks that you identified the very previous season. There were tight ends we could have taken – And now talking about Cam Smith specifically, there were tight ends we could have taken, and more importantly, there were interior offensive linemen that we could have taken that would have made a huge difference for us that Cam Smith didn't make just simply because he was a a healthy scratch.
1: Yeah. Well, we we saw some – at least we saw some promising stuff out of Ethan Bonner in the game when he came in. Uh, Yeah, but
2: again, again, now you're going to go all offseason – like you do with a Chris Brooks, like you do with a, a Cater Kohu, which I'm not saying Bonner was what Kohu was. But now people are going to say, oh, he's that sixth spot when that top pick should have been used elsewhere um, in order to best balance the team. And I think that's an area where you want to give Chris Greer all the love. You want to give Mike McDaniel all the love when it comes to evaluating talent, that's, those are two specific areas um, that they failed big time. Yep,
1: and even speaking of Cater Kohu, he really regressed this year too, so I don't oh, even think we was, can say.
2: He was horrible in the last yeah. couple of games.
1: Yeah, so I don't even think we can say that he's a for sure, I don't even know if we can say he's for sure going to be on the roster next year, unfortunately, and I like Cater, but um, and just I'm not as good with the X's and O's stuff as you or some other people, but just so people know, one of the big issues is Fangio's defense does do a lot of switching. A lot of, It's heavily relying on a lot of communication. So guys are s- switching people off. You're, and we saw Ramsey flipping out a lot of the defensive backs in the last month because he would go to drop people off and they'd still be playing man. And a lot of them would be getting beat. So there was still a lot of... My, my one issue with the defense is there was still, in the back seven, too many communication issues and coverage. So... DB is still a need. I'm not willing to give up on Cam Smith yet because I did like him coming to the draft, like you said. If we're not even going to play him, and I hear all these people saying how good he looked in camp. He may have looked good in camp, but I remember, I don't know about you, Jordan, but I remember last summer, I heard the coaches say he had a lot of work to do, and then he got burnt on a double move against Jacksonville in the preseason and never saw the field again.
0: Never played again.
1: And then just it, it, to go back, oh, yeah, go ahead. keep going. I was gonna say just to go to Duke Riley for a second. It's funny. A couple of weeks ago, I was like, "Yeah, I'm not noticing him." He's, and that's a good thing. Well, you get to some good teams, i.e., Baltimore, Buffalo, and Kansas City. What did they do? They made you notice him because they actually targeted Duke Riley. They they said David Long's gonna come at us. We're just gonna shift our back out of the out of the backfield. Have him run and. They took advantage of Duke in coverage. I'm not going to say... I know we have people on the Discord who love uh, Jerome Baker. And I do think Baker does at times get a little too much hate. Baker's not the greatest in coverage. But it did show me how much we missed Jerome Baker the last three weeks.
2: Oh, for sure. But I think you missed simply having a replacement-level player. Yeah. Um, You would like to upgrade over Jerome Baker, but at the same time, not having Jerome Baker, you always, that's always the grass, always greener because now you're going to a guy who's much lower than a replacement level player. Yeah, this is, I I made a list and I don't know if you've done this, but I made a list of what I right now, 48 hours after the season, identify as needs for the Miami Dolphins. Not, not once, these are, if we're going to be a Super Bowl team, these are needs this offseason. You,
1: you can do a search on our Discord, and I've said tight end 432 times. They well, searched. Yeah. stay searched. I think that, and we'll get back to the offense in a second, but let me just say this. Tight end is number one on my list, and I think tight end alleviates a lot of the issues we had the last month of the season.
2: I, I completely agree, um, because I think that tight end could be, um, kind of your pseudo number three receiver, um, but I'm gonna go through this list really quickly with you. Okay. Um, I think offensively, I think we need a physical running back um that I assume will take jeff wilson's spot. um, I think mostert'll come back, I think achan'll come back, um, but I don't think mostert'll come back handling the workload that he handled this year. Um, I think we need like a a kind of a three headed or a third head to the Mostert, A-chan, backfield. Um, and then you'll have Chris Brooks coming back in that fourth slot. Um, I think you need a a true wide receiver three. Yes. Um, and and that being somebody, um, I wouldn't be surprised, and this will be my plug for my newest article that just went up on listpodcast.com, which is my first mock draft for the Dolphins this season. Um, I think that a young wide R three, somebody explosive guy. Um, could be something that the Dolphins target in the draft. Um, so I think that's important. Um, I think tight end one is the, the need this offseason. I think it is the biggest need, um, and I don't think it's a need that can be gotten um, and fulfilled signing uh, lower-level cheap guys that will compete in camp like we did with Tyler Croft. And was it Troutman that we did it with? Is that who we brought in? Adam,
1: I don't believe we brought Troutman in. We did bring someone else besides Croft. I don't think it was Troutman. It
2: it was somebody else. That again, that's that's the point is that it wasn't memorable. Um, So I think getting a real tight end weapon um, is the key to the off season. And then I have written down here that we need at least three offensive linemen, Um, two of which are starters. Um, I think you need a starting center and a starting left guard. Um and then I think you need at least one, maybe two uh, more backups. Yes. Um, so again, that's simply offense: tight end, wide receiver, running back, three to four offensive linemen. Um, and then you flip to the defensive side of the ball. And I think you need a cornerback too. Um, I think that the elephant in the room is going to be Xavier Howard's contract. Um, uh, I think it's going to be interesting to see uh, whether or not they bring him back. Do you think they're going to bring him back? Did you see his quotes today? Uh, no. Well, that he wasn't going to take a pay cut?
1: No, it was saying he had a great eight years, and whatever happens next, he's okay with. So I think he knows he's gone.
2: Yeah, so um, that instantly... I think everybody, you,
1: everybody knows he's gone, honestly.
2: When you talk about the fact that Needham had, took a step back, Cater took a step back, and Cam Smith didn't play, uh, getting a number two corner jumps pretty high up um, onto the list of needs for the Dolphins this offseason. Yeah. Um I have written down here that you need two interior linebackers or two inside linebackers. Um, I think that you'll have David Long back. Uh Jerome Baker will probably come back, um, but you're gonna need a Duke Rowley replacement and you're gonna need a Channing Tindall replacement or at least competition on the roster. Um, because Those are such revolving positions and you can't have a guy in that position that can't make the field. Um, I think you're going to need a defensive tackle uh, because Raquan Davis is going to be a free agent um, and we don't have depth um, along the defensive line to begin with. um, And then I think you're going to need another safety. Um, So again, from the top, that's a physical running back, a wide receiver, a tight end, three to four offensive linemen, two inside linebackers, a defensive tackle, a safety, and a cornerback. Um, that's a lot of holes for the Dolphins to fill with not a lot of money and not a lot of draft picks. So it's going, be, it's going to be fascinating to me to see how they navigate those waters.
1: I've had a theory with the corner that they've been planning to cut X or wanted to cut X for a couple of years, uh, but the stuff just never worked out. Like Noeg Bahagami even looks semi-competent. I think X has gone two years ago. I think they picked Cam Smith up the hope that he would be the guy, and he clearly wasn't ready, but um, I do think a second corner is needed. um tight end like like you said, top need I think I think Durham Smith and Julian Hill were admirable as blockers, I think. Jerem Smythe showed he can be an effective number two tight end where you can scheme him and you can, he can get you a couple yards. But if nothing else, we need that red zone threat. I posted last week because it came up back in 2008 when the Dolphins played the Chiefs and Arrowhead in similar weather, but it was 1 o'clock in the afternoon, so it was sunny at least. Um, Anthony Fasano had two touchdowns. And I love Fasano. He was never an all-pro, never an all-pro bowler. But he was a guy who could make the red zone catch. He could make one or two guys miss every, every so often. If we can just get someone on that level, that takes the offense to a different level. Uh, we do need a left guard. I agree, and a center. Even if we do resign Connor Williams, because we have no idea when he's going to be back. Uh, the hot name for us right now, and it's still way too early, is Troy Fatanu or Fotanu from Washington. If he's available when we pick, you run, you run that up to the. You run that up to the uh, podium, and the D line depth is definitely a need because we didn't really rotate a lot. Like Deshaun Hand was the fourth was the fourth guy, and he barely got time. So we just didn't have it. So even if we bring Christian Wilkins back, you do need more guys, and you do need an actual true. You will at, need an actual, true nose tackle as well, which I think Raquan Davis gets a little too much hate from fans. I don't even know if that's fair. I just don't think people. I don't think he's worth any energy, positive or negative. If that makes sense, that kind of yeah, stuff. No,
2: weird, he's though. he's a jag. He's just another guy. But I don't know if we're going to be able to pay him what he personally uh, thinks he deserves. Um, I wouldn't. And, I would
1: pay him the bare minimum. Unfortunately, right? Maybe and small I think pay he- raises.
2: I think there's somebody out there that's going to give him slightly more than the minimum and good Definitely. for him. Like if, if that's what he gets, I just think it's going to be something we've replaced. Oh, and then I forgot one of the biggest needs for the dolphins. Um, the last one that I'll, will t- talk about today, at least that we can get into on a different episode is I think we need an entirely new special teams room. Um, I think the only person that should come back from our special teams room is Blake Ferguson. Um, I think that we need a new special teams coach. I think we need a new kicker. I think we need a new punter. And I think that those should be easy givens going into the off season, um, that those late round picks should be used on getting the best kicker. Um, and who I assume is going to be the Iowa punter.
1: Yeah. Yeah. If you can, I know he's 26, but you can get Tory Taylor. You do that. Cause that guy is a weapon. Um, I wouldn't object to Jason Sanders being back, but I think his, his, uh, salary makes him an easy cut. But, uh, yeah, punter was a, uh, Bailey was not good. He, it felt like we were losing yardage with every punt, even if it wasn't return. He just wasn't, he was giving up field position. And I don't know if you saw Crossman talk after the Buffalo game and he was saying, oh, this would have happened. Their special team's actually good. We were the 30 worst, 31st ranked special teams this year in terms of everything. And my response is who was actually worse than us?
2: Uh probably a very bad team. <laughs> Let's see.
0: Special teams rankings. Special teams rankings. Um 2023. Let's see. Uh, the
2: Rams are the only team that was worse than us. Huh. Yeah. Because and I they were the worst. They were the worst at kick returns. We were the worst on kick coverage,
1: which and is the biggest wor- issue for me because th- especially for kick cover- kick returns, it's not designed the NFL is not designed for kick returns anymore, kickoff returns. So,
2: we had the worst we were the worst in the league at the average starting point by the opponent. It, the Detroit Lions opponents average starting at the twenty three point seven yard line. The Dolphins opponents average starting on the twenty six point six, which is over a yard and a half, about a yard and a half more uh, than the league average. So by average, the Dolphins opponents were starting a yard and a half ahead of where the league was,
1: yeah, and I will say like people say, oh, because of the injuries of special teams, people had to play on defense or offense. I don't think people realize, well, I think most people do, but there are some people I don't think realize how bad Bailey was as a punter or how bad Danny Crossman's units tend to regress year to year. I wish Darren Rizzi was still here. Darren Rizzi was a great special teams coach. I would love if he was here. And it's funny because he was an assistant. I remember when he got promoted over John, when we fired John Bomingo, everybody was like, oh, he's not going to be better, and he became one of our best coaches. Um And then to go back to needs too, yes, we need a third wide receiver. We were all, you and I were stoked to have Braxton Barrows. He, it felt like he disappeared after the first month of the season. I know he had a couple catches, but he didn't add the impact. I thought he wasn't the third down, the third down safety valve. I thought he would be, he didn't really add anything on returns, but I, again, I kind of put that on the unit rather than him. Cedric Wilson had a couple moments, but we saw as the season went on and he had to step up. He wasn't beating wide receivers. He couldn't make a contested catch. Everybody, I think, loves River Craycraft's story. He was he was a jag after, after his injury. And I think it's safe to say that Chase Claypool gamble didn't pay off.
2: Yeah, no, not at all. I, I think that that whole list, you look at uh, said Braxton, Claypool, and Robbie Chosen, um, I think all severely underperformed, and none of them um, were anything near uh, what we thought they were going to be, which is why adding a wide receiver three, I think, in the offseason um, is going to be huge. Uh, and really, um, between that and adding – Um, a tight end that's really a receiving threat. I think just that alone, you're going to see the offense take such a big step forward going into next season.
1: Yeah, and of course, people will say, well, Tua doesn't throw to the tight ends. If you look, he's always been very good at throwing to the tight ends. We didn't go to the tight ends as much this year because we just didn't have the threats. Um, Again, Durham Smythe and Julian Hill were very, were decent in blocking, but there's nothing in the scene. there was no red zone threat. we said last week. We got zero touchdowns from the tight ends, which, if anybody follows the Mike Shanahan coaching tree, they usually have one of the most productive tight ends in terms of receiving yards and touchdowns in the league, whether but it's Brett, Mike Shanahan.:
2: but, but Brett, what's crazy about that is we use the tight end a lot. Yeah, Like we, we play tight ends on almost every single snap and for all year them not to have one, not yeah. one.
1: Yeah, no, it's literally, like I said, we, we saw when we use Durham Smythe more as the season went on, especially late, but it's, he'll catch it and he'll get submarined. So you can scheme him open 20 to 20. He's very, he's become very useless in the red zone. Julian Hill, you don't really look at much. He's a non rookie, so it's whatever. We relied on him to block, but we just didn't have that red zone threat. I said it before, and you and Zach uh, both kind of laughed. We, Well, not for the second one, but we missed Trent Sherfield and Mike Kosicki this year more than we should have. Sherfield's stats with us weren't great, but he did become a reliable third receiver. Like I said, he didn't have the greatest stats, but he, he added something. And then Mike Kosicki, even if I believe last year with us was his worst statistical year with us since his rookie year, he was still a threat down the seam. He had that amazing touchdown against Baltimore, on what was it like third and seventeen to help start to come back. Yeah. Um, but even if you didn't go to him, you could throw, you could put him in the seam. The joke a lot of people had is he'd get bodied by corners. Well, that's the thing; defenses still had to. Respect him. He took pressure off of Tyreek Hill, off of Jalen Waddle, and gave to a, a big target. I get why we moved on, but we should have gotten something else to replace him there. Mm-hmm. And like I say we'll keep mentioning Travian Sanders and uh, Cade Stover because people keep bringing up Brock Bowers. It ain't happening unless you want to sell the farm, and I am not selling a farm for a tight end.
2: No, we're not gonna we don't have enough unless you're gonna really start talking about a package that we could get back from J, for Jalen Waddle. Um, and that package including a pick where you might get Brock Bowers, um, which I don't think that we're at that point yet. Um, I don't think you're looking to tear down. I think you're looking to build up. Mm-hmm. Um but unless you're doing that, um, I think it's Jatavian Sanders or I think it's um, adding one of the top tight ends. I don't think Houston's going to let Dalton Schultz get away. Um, I'm not sure New England's going to let Hunter Henry get away. Um, so I think that adding Jatavian Sanders or Cade Stover um, or I, the Kansas State guy, uh, I think his last name's Sanat. Yep. Um,
1: uh, I do those. like the Colorado, Colorado State has a, a an interesting mid-round prospect. You have guys in the Big Ten like – a J. Barner and uh, who's the Minnesota guy you mentioned? Uh, Devin Span. Brevin. Uh, Brevin.
2: Brevin Span. Span. Yeah, whatever. You know, we, we know who it is. I'll get it yeah. in one second. Yeah, I think it's that. Yeah, whatever is not good content. Um, yeah. Brevin Span Ford is the guy, six seven, two seventy, uh, physical blocking guy. But I think that that's a guy you add as a third tight end. Um, I don't know. I think we need a real. Receiving threat um, at tight end. I think if if you're going to have a guy like Brevin Span Ford come in, um, that might be in a year to replace a guy like Smythe um, or replace a guy like Julian Hill. Um, I think you really, uh, the guy we bring in really needs to be a receiving threat um, more so like a Jatavian Sanders.
1: Yeah, that's fair. It was just pointing out there are some options there that you can maybe develop. Um, But I do think it is time to kind of do the elephant in the room. And we do kind of, we kind of mentioned it earlier, but we do have to talk about Tua and Mike McDaniel. We said that this game was an awful game, but it's kind of the epicenter or epitome, whatever word you want to use, for what the last month was, where the play calling had regressed. And we've said, I think, Whether it's two or McDaniel, we got it, or as some people have speculated, because of the weaknesses on the offensive line, the response was basically to play faster, and which meant relying on a lot of pre-snap reads, which resulted in some pretty ugly turnovers, as we saw last week against Buffalo, but like you said, the the screens are weird because I don't think the screens really work unless it's HN or Waddle, but we keep calling it for Hill. They kept doing that weird screen that we used to, to score a touchdown with HN early in the season where it's just a quick slant and you wait for the blockers to get up after. But we did that on like 4th and 17, which was weird. It just, it, it felt like, it almost felt like McDaniel gave up. I know we were, you, me, and Zach were talking before the game. Or before the podcast. And maybe two of two was nursing some injuries, so maybe it was that. But it was it was just weird. Like the like as we just spent the last several months talking, we definitely have some peace issues on offense, but just the mindset was just weird that you have these two guys who are so aggressive and it was so conservative.
2: Yeah, and it was weirder to me, um, when it came to I'm sure everybody saw, and a lot of people are talking about it, Mike McDaniel's um, halftime uh, speech, or what not his speech, but his interview, um, where he said we need to commit to running the ball. We need to commit to running the ball. Um, we need to get back to doing what we do um, and in this weather run the ball. Um, and then we came out and didn't really run the ball. Um, there was not a point in the game where I thought we were physical. Um, there was not a point in the game where I said, wow, that's a team that that really wants this, you, you, it's crazy when you pinpoint in the game the play where you were like, oh, fuck, tonight might not be the night. You know what the play was for me? Which it was, was a the, ve- the very first third down of the game. The very, the very first third down of the game, we had a good first down, we had a good second down. Mahomes found Kelsey on a play where I think Duke Riley opened up a little bit. And then the next play, Pacheco just ran right down our throats. And yeah. right, right then, Duke Riley was already grabbing his leg. Guys already had their heads down. It was like when we didn't get that first stop, it was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Then we don't get the stop. We come out. You're like, all right, offense has got to answer. Offense has got to answer. We go three and out. They get the ball back. Later on, it's 10-7. We give. We finally score the long touchdown. We stop them near the goal line. Field goal, 13-7. You're like, all right, getting the ball back. Down six. Here we go. What are we going to do? Three and out. All right, we went three and out. We're getting the ball back. We're only down nine. We score coming out of the second half. We got a shot. Here we go. Three and out. And it, it was like, it wasn't even... We had a decent drive that got stalled out. It was the same shit that we've been talking about now for three, four weeks where we play other teams and other teams, I feel like against us, every drive, it's first and 10, then second and five, then third and two. And you either get it on third and two or you don't get it on third and two. And that's the kind of the success of the NFL right now. Those are the analytics, short chunks, short chunks. And then you take a shot. It's almost like we're taking such crazy plays on first down that we go first and 10, second and 13. Then we have such a big play to get third and five. And then when we do get a third and one, then you get an illegal formation. Then you get a false start. Then you get a delay of game. And the most embarrassing part of all of it was watching Jason Garrett Roast Mike McDaniel for 45 minutes because you're down two scores. And this is where, when you said he gave up, I never like to say professionals gave up, but this is where you have me a little bit, Brett. Where you have me is there were, it was like seven, eight minutes left in the game and we had the ball and we didn't snap the ball before one second left on the play clock once. It was one second left on the play clock every single time we snapped the ball. And that to me was like, what are we doing here? Yeah. What are we doing? Like, why are you guys in negative seven degree weather in Missouri in January in weather where they're pulling the water bottles? Do you see that video of the water bottle Brett? Yeah. They pulled they pull the water bottle out and it froze immediately. You're outside in that weather and you're, you're just going to stop you're just going to stop calling plays you're going to you're going to put two clock on like you're on Madden and that's somewhere where I think McDaniel has to change you say they can't go fast i think they it's too indecisive to where we're not lining up until there's 9 seconds left and then at that point we're all scrambling to get the ball off every play somebody's confused And then it's a disaster. And I think that's what you saw down the stretch against Tennessee. I think it's what you saw against Baltimore in the second half. I think it's what you saw against Buffalo in the second half. And I think it's what you saw most of the game against Kansas City. And some of that, some of that is the injuries. Yes. Some of that I'll say is the injuries. Yeah, Some of that is a lack of discipline by McDaniel. And by Tua at some point, if you are a star coach or a star quarterback, it is, it it can't look that dysfunctional every drive for the second half of multiple weeks. Yeah. I think it It was very dysfunctional.
1: Yep. I forget who it was, but I saw on Twitter, someone pointed out, and again, got to say this and they pointed this out too. And I think we can agree with this. Mike McDaniels is one of the best play designers in the NFL, but sometimes he gets too much into his, he gets too emotional with play calling and he doesn't always go with what's best in game. He's, I feel like something I've talked about is I feel like Tennessee they were trying to get two of that touchdown because he had the touchdown streak going, and it affected the play calling. I think that's happened at times I think and I think two is a very emotional um, is also very emotional in games too, where he tries to force things too much, and I think what we've seen is McDaniel and Tua or just Tua maybe in this case. You know you don't have any options but cheetah and waddle and the response is basically, we're going to just force it to them instead of trying to open it up. And I think that is the wrong mindset to take. And it did cost us. I think at some point, you just have to say, look, someone's going to have to step up. And we try, we try to force it too much. And let's be honest, the screens to Tyreek have not worked all year. With Waddle, they kind of work. But we kept running screens to Tyreek, and they never work. Um. So I don't know what's going on. And I think at this point, part of me is like, you know, Andy Reid, as a young coach, had some play calling issues, especially in the red zone. Kyle Shanahan, who's Mike McDaniel's bro, has had had play calling issues for a long time, especially when it came to running versus passing. So part of me thinks this is just some of the maturity part for McDaniel. But at the same time, I think, especially in the last month, it's fair to say he needs someone, he needs someone, whether it's. A Daryl Bevel, a Frank Smith, someone external to come in and just reel him in. But the other thing as well is they need to reel Tua in a bit. Tua is naturally aggressive, but he tends to force stuff. And we saw that with the interception. He threw off balance and threw high to an open receiver. So I think you need to reel them both in. And a big complaint, another big complaint that I've noticed the way I would put it, is sometimes I think too, and McDaniel feel like they have to get everything back at once. And it either becomes a screen to hope that a speed guy can get around people, or it's a deep shot. There's no in between. I feel like we don't have enough easy throws, like when things aren't going well, if that makes sense. And again, part of that is not having a tight end.
2: Yeah. And, and the screens underneath on third and 11. I mean, that's just ridiculous at that point. Uh, it was it was terrible to watch. Um, but I want to be clear that I don't think that the answer to our problems is get rid of McDaniel or get rid of Tua. Oh, no. I don't think that's I don't I personally want both of them to be with our team next year and moving forward. I think that it's a great plan for the Dolphins to give Tua an extension that lowers his cap hit for next season. Um, I think that financially is in the best interest of the Dolphins, which will keep him around. And I I 100% think McDaniel is the coach of the future. Um, But that doesn't mean that there aren't areas where both of them significantly need to improve. If there weren't areas where they would both need to improve, we would still be playing right now, and we would have played at home instead of being in Kansas City uh, this week. So there are areas where they both significantly need to improve. I don't think that you're going to find realistically a better quarterback option for the Dolphins next season. Um, I saw something today about Kirk Cousins. Uh, I've seen stuff about Jaden Daniels. Um, I I don't think either of those guys are better options. I've seen Justin Fields. uh, Justin Fields. Like, I I just don't see it. Personally, I don't see it. I I don't see it being – a better option specifically for next season. Um, So we'll we'll see what happens. I think, I think two is the guy. Um, I I think it's just a matter of this team growing. um, Maturity wise or maturity wise. um, And from a physicality and toughness standpoint, um, this team needs to grow up. Um, And I think that this is an important off season uh, for the future of Mike McDaniel and the future of Tua um to do that growing up. Because you don't you don't have to necessarily win a Super Bowl next season, but it needs to look better than it looked this season.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't I, I think it's easy for people to forget again, because of how bad Saturday was, that by almost every metric, Tua was a top five quarterback this year. Didn't end well. And said that, like you said, it's a lot growing up. And I've said this a lot of people disagree with me. So I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this. I do think, especially offensively, the team bought their own hype a little bit too much. And I know Hard Knocks doesn't tell the whole story. But I think they were a little more interested in coming up with celebrations at times than they were on actually working what needs to be worked on.
2: Yeah, I think we got cute. Yep. Um, I, I think we, we definitely ate our own bullshit. Um, I, I think that that was something kind of earlier in the year that worried me that I said a lot. Um, and I think that my worries came true. Um, I, I think that the dolphins were, uh, were that underdog, like we're here, um, early in the season. Um, and really, if you want to pinpoint it, the worst thing that happened to the dolphins was probably scoring 70 against the Broncos.
1: I'd agree with that. Um, It's weird as it it may sound to some, but I do think it became a little bit too much. Yeah, we can do whatever we want, so just kind of relax. And yeah, I do think that became an issue. Yeah, but it's
2: all about, I think, next season growing up. Um, If we can grow up, then we can be a team um, that we thought we were going to be this season. Yeah,
1: and I think a lot of the... A lot of the upgrades can happen. I know some people are like, well, we have so many free agents. How are we going to be better if we have all these people to replace and we don't have money? First of all, yes, we, as of right now, I think we're projected to be $40 million over the cap. Guys, you can manipulate the cap very easily. You can clear up space very easily. Don't worry about that. And second of all, aside from like three or four people, it's not like we have a lot of free agents that people were clamoring to resign, do we? Like, we have Hunt, Wilkins, Willett, Connor, but he's hurt. That's pretty much it, right?
2: Yeah, so I'll go through the list with you. Here are the players scheduled to become unrestricted free agents. We'll go very quickly. I'll say the player. You just say yes, you're jumping right away to re-sign them, or B, you're willing to wait till the market plays out. You ready? Yep. Uh, or yes or no, not yes or B, sorry. Um, Savan Ahmed. No. Braxton Barrios. No. River Craycraft. No. Robbie Chosen. No. Chase Claypool. No. Cedric Wilson.
0: No. Tyler Croft. No. Robert Hunt. Yes. Connor Williams.
1: If he was healthy, yes, because he's coming off the ACL. I offer him a one or two year deal. And if he doesn't take it, I say no and you wait. Till his, till his demands come down.
0: Um, Isaiah Wynn? no. Jonathan Harrison, no. Kendall Lamb,
1: I'd like him back, but I'm not. I'm I'm not jumping to resign him. So can I say maybe? Just because he was. Yeah. You can say, yes. Yeah. Of course. I'll say maybe. I'll, I'll say maybe.
2: Kendall Lamb, I think is a yes at a uh guy that's coming in backup salary i don't think he's yes at any sort of starter money
1: yeah yes i'd say yes um if we can get him on a good deal
2: all right so that was two yeses or one and a half yeses or so we'll give it two so you gave a yes to robert hunt a maybe to connor williams a maybe to kendall Land. that's it that's it yep So that's two total. So you got one yes and two maybes. Here's the defense. Um Raekwon Davis. No. He can go
0: back. But
1: yes, I'd bring Wilkins back. I think the penalty he got was BS, but I think that's a reputation penalty because Wilkins is known kind of as dirty, unfairly, I think. But I think he means so much to the locker room, the community, and the team. You'd do whatever you can to keep him in Miami.
2: I agree. Uh, Deshaun
0: Hand. No. Van Ginkle. I would love him.
1: I'm going to say maybe, because as much as I would love him back, he's going to get a, I don't think I'm going to go, want to go with the number. You know what? I will say yes, because of the injuries to, to Chubb and Phillips but I think he's going to get a number that we do not want to, that we're not going to want to match from another team.
2: The only thing I'll say to that is I think we would have said that last year too. Yeah, that's fair. Um, and I think that we can make his contract in a way um, you obviously can't move on from Chubb this year, um, but Chubb has that out in his contract after this upcoming season, um, which would give us uh, It'll be. It looks like 16 million dead cap, um, but would open up uh, at least 11 million for us going into next offseason that we might need. Um, so I think that you could see us giving Van Ginkle a deal um, that might be low this year um, and have a kicker year that eventually we can start uh, restructuring down the line. Um, so that that's a guy I could see them uh, saying maybe to. Um, but the next three. Uh, you could do it at the same time, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Bruce Irvin. No. Do you bring back Nick Needham?
1: I like Needham, but it became clear that Fangio doesn't really rate him that highly. So I would say no.
2: Um, the only question for me was, was he healthy at all? Um, so,
0: so no. Um, Brandon Jones?
1: Again, I like Brandon Jones. You and I had him as a breakout guy this year. I wasn't super impressed when he was forced in the lineup with Holland. I'll say maybe just because I do think he is good depth, but I I was disappointed with him when he played. I'll put it that way.
2: Uh, so as depth, Deshaun Elliott for the right deal, yes. But, uh, and then I'm not even mentioning Eli Apple, Justin Bethel, and Jake Bailey. So, so Bethel, here, I would say
1: yes, is special teams. Here like are the
2: guys. Deal. Okay, so I'll I'll put Justin Bethel there. Um, as a minimum level deal. Um, but so here are the guys that you say that Brett says we need to bring back: Robert Hunt, Connor Williams is a maybe, Kendall Lamb is a maybe, Christian Wilkins, Van Ginkle, Nick. Uh, I'm sorry, Brandon Jones is depth. Sean Elliott on the right deal, Justin Bethel on the right deal. That's not that much to resign. Yeah, like that's. Yeah, you're the two guys you're going to have to pay are Robert Hunt and Christian Wilkins, and then a backloaded Van Ginkle deal. But outside yeah. of that, it, it's you're going to be able to bring back relatively the same team. It's going to be each guy that you add. There needs to be a reason for it, and it needs that you need to hit on every addition, mm-hmm. and then you need guys to get healthy. Yeah, and those will be the two questions. That when we talk about our our off our preseason preview going into the twenty twenty four season in seven months, you're gonna hear me say those same things. Are we healthy, and are those guys we added all able to make a contribution?
1: Yeah. yeah, it'll be interesting, but like, yeah, when people talk about needing to sign people, it's just we're losing we had bad depth and we're losing like yes, we have some good players on. Free a- in free agency, but at the same time, it's a lot of people that most people would want to lose anyway. Plus, we got some people to uh, people to uh, resign next year who are more important. One being Tua, who we also have to take care of this year, and uh, Javon Holland. Plus, picking up Waddle and Phillips' option. Yeah,
2: I think that we all see the writing on the wall that the Tua extension. Um, it either has to happen this year or we come into August saying what's going on. Yeah. But I think it happens, um, and I think it happens in a way that A, gets us some flexibility this year, B, gets Tua a lot of money, but C, also gives the Dolphins some flexibility uh, to move that money around as necessary. And I know a lot of people, I don't uh, see us having a poison deal uh, with the Tua deal. I don't think it's going to be a horrendously, horrendously horrible deal.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I don't think he's going to be a, one of the going to become the highest paid player in the NFL either. Uh, One, I don't think Tua would want that. I think he's going to do what's best for him. I think he'll be. wants it. Yeah. Well, (laughs) he might want it, but I think he's going to go more team friendly. Um, and unfortunately, still, even though he was healthy this year, the uh, there's going to be some the, – the elephant in the room about the concussions are going to cause a lot of probably incentives in the contract and voids in the contract that might make it a little tricky. So I think they're going to go with more of a team-friendly deal with a lot of bonuses that he can meet with stat.
2: And I think that that's a deal uh, that a guy like Tua – yeah, he's going to want all the money he can get, but I think that's a deal he's not – necessarily going to be unhappy with yeah
1: just get me a tight end this offseason and get me a new special teams coordinator and i'll be happy
2: yeah we're gonna it, the next couple uh months of episodes are going to be interesting here brett what are we going to talk about for a couple months
1: well i figure so as you mentioned we are going to be having a uh, dolphin's great richmond Webb, on the podcast on thursday Excited to see how that's going to work. We might uh, There's a chance we might actually be making our uh, our face debuts on the podcast and on YouTube, depending on how that's set up, which will be a good thing. Uh, I think we're going to do a lot of draft work. Probably, I was thinking next week we probably give the season grades, uh, and then it's focus on the draft and then go from there.
2: It's going to be a lot of fun.
1: It will be a lot of fun. And um, just to close up, I think it's worth saying, like, all season – we have been doing the list where we put people on a list who, who've been hating on the Dolphins and Tua. We're not going to put anybody on the list again this week because you and I talked about it. When you get have that kind of loss, you can't really call anybody out for hating on the Dolphins. But we're pro- we're going to go a different direction with the list as well because um, as you and I talked about it, it's kind of it kind of limits what you can do and it when you're always calling people out for hating. And when you have end of the season, like we do, it blows up in your face eventually. And it just becomes too much of a, a bit. And I don't think either of us want that.
2: Yeah, no. And I think that the direction that we're going to take it with that I'll leave as a teaser for there um, that people will find out in the coming weeks. I, I think it's going to be um, kind of a nice branch off um, a spin-off, if you will, um, and going to be something that, um, kind of helps the longevity of our podcast our brand uh, and something a little interactive um, that our community will be able to participate in as well
1: yeah and another thing i'll talk about for in the future too jordan we said it earlier in the earlier when we started copa america's this summer so get ready to start doing your soccer research because we're definitely going to be talking about that this summer too i
2: think it'll be funnier if i do zero soccer research and we still talk about it
1: That'd be funny too. Cause I already know a couple people who do soccer podcasts who have said they'd be willing to join us to preview it.
2: Yeah. Bring them in, bring them yep. all in.
1: Hey, So that'd be fun. Uh, I think it is time for us to end this episode. We have been talking for almost an hour and a half. It feels, I think. Um, but it was a good, good season, disappointing end to the season, but onward and upward, be ready for our interview with Richmond for Jordan. I'm Brett and Zach, of course, Love you, Zach. I know you're recovering because you feel like Hootie because the dolphins make you cry, but we're not going to play that because we don't have the rights, but you can play the music. And remember, we are the list and we are watching.
2: Do, do Do I hit the music? Yes, you do. One last time.